Hey, it's Tiffany, and today's topic is the connection between self-worth and net worth. What's up? It's Kevin Crenshaw, a.k.a. The Heart Guy. Welcome to The Heartbeat, where we talk about living life from the heart. I'm super excited to have Tiffany on the show today. She is a self-made multimillionaire. She is a top business coach and the host of the popular podcast, Project Me with Tiffany Carter. What is up? And welcome to the show. Hey, hey, hey. Excited to be here. Yeah, so this is a really juicy topic, uh, net worth and self-worth. I think a lot of people just have a disconnection between the two, um, but I'm sure you have tons of experience in the connection between the two. So could you enlighten us on how they're similar? Absolutely. So here's the thing. So many of us, and I was like this too, you guys, so no judgment, walk around going, God, I can never get ahead. Just as soon as I have money in the bank, I get an unexpected bill or you know, something happens where like I have to fix my car or I can't seem to get ahead at work. Like, you know, I'm only getting like, you know, tiny pay increases. Like how in the hell will I ever have money saved to be ever, you know, be able to buy a house or whatever it is, or maybe my husband or wife, you know, overspends. Well, here's the, here's the thing. We end up blaming all these external factors on our current financial situation and like big, big hint the common denominator in all of this is you, right? Mm. We're the common denominator in all of it, but it's so easy to go be a victim of our circumstances. Like, mm. oh, well, look at this job or my boss is a jerk or my boyfriend or a girlfriend, you know, is an overspender and pointing the finger, but we're, we're the common theme in all of it. So what happens is in childhood with significant people in our life, parents, uncles, caregivers, whatever, we pick up things. It can even be an energy around money that maybe no one actually said stuff about money, but maybe it was like tax time or that, you know, first of the month bill time and like your dad became an asshole, you know, mm. like you could just feel that tension. Or maybe like in my case, you know, I've heard a lot of things, right? Um, people have heard things like the rich only get richer, the poor only get poorer, money doesn't grow on trees. What do you think I am made of money? You know, and it's, and when we hear that over and over, it leaves an imprint in our subconscious. So then later on in life, right, when we actually like start our financial lives, like in, you know, in early adulthood, we end up creating a self-fulfilling prophecy to prove our beliefs correct, right? If you mm -hmm. believe the sky is blue, you know, whenever you look up at the sky, you're going to see blue. If you believe it's really more greenish, somehow you're going to trick your mind into thinking it's more green than it is blue. It's no different when it comes to a belief system, even if it's a belief system that you might not have had evidence of, but these people who raised us, who obviously like, whether, whether they were great people or shit people, right? <laughs> we took their word as the truth. We're kids. So let me give an example. Let's say like the rich only get richer, the poor get poorer. So then guess what? You're not going to be someone who's going to end up rich. If you do, you're going to lose it all. That's why I say like in my um, on my TV show, Project Me TV on YouTube, I share that 70% of the people who win the lotto, regardless if it's 100 million, 1 million, 500,000, within 18 months, they end up going back to their original financial state or worse, they end up in bankruptcy. They have a financial set point. So it's like, how the hell do you end up bankrupt when you just won even $1 million, right? Yeah. It's all comes down to self-worth. And I 
have a personal story where by the time I was 30, I had a million dollars in the bank. Not when people say, oh, you know, my business, I have a million dollar business. It's like, we don't know what that means. I had a cold, hard cash in the bank by the time I was 30. Within three months of my bank showing seven figures, which is kind of a really freaking cool thing to see if you've ever <laughs> seen it, right? It was like, holy shit, right? And I'd been an entrepreneur. I'd not been an entrepreneur at that point. I was just going to start my mm. entrepreneurial journey. So wow. I was like, wow, something happened within three months. I'm not kidding you. I lost almost all of it. All the wow. money I hustled my ass off to the bone and saved and invested to get there within three months, lost almost all of it. And it truly, when you, when I peeled back all the layers over the years and done a lot of self-worth work, it came back to my lack of self-worth. I felt so uncomfortable and guilty having that much money when I saw so many friends of mine, people on the news, et cetera, struggling or in poverty or in bad situations, I felt so bad having this money wow. that I ended up sabotaging it. Mm -hmm. So how did you make the switch in recovery from that? Because I know you're definitely in a better place now. Right. Well, it wasn't pretty. It was pretty shocking. Usually we have to be in a lot of pain and and or shocked to make change, mm -hmm. right? We don't make changes when we're you know, status quo, or we're feeling good, right? Mm -hmm. Change comes from being really freaking uncomfortable and in pain. And I just, I was blown away what happened. I mean, I was in a state of shock, denial. I mean, I really was doing all these things subconsciously. So how I lost that, like, I kept writing checks to people, you know, like, wow. friends, um, friends, organizations, I mean, I was the per I felt like I had to buy every dinner, even if it was like 15 oh, wow. people at a dinner and if it was a birthday party I was invited to or something. Felt like you were obligated to give it yeah, away. Yeah, I did. I felt like I was obligated. That's a great word. Yeah, I felt obligated. So I was that person. Then what happens is we teach people how to treat us, right? So then everyone's mm -hmm. like tips paying, then people no one pulled out their wallet anymore. Mm. And then I then it just further even forced that whole, the whole self-fulfilling prophecy of like, mm -hmm. you know, the guilt, the Tiffany, you're obligated to do this. Like, cause I was taught, you know, I was kind of taught, like, if you do great things and you make all this money, you are obligated to be a servant to society, mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, like, meaning you, you have to take care of other people. I felt so mm -hmm. uncomfortable. Then what happened is I had a client of mine who I highly respected, knew very mm -hmm. well, mm -hmm. referred me to his financial advisor. Mm -hmm. I didn't do my own due diligence. I took this client of mine, who again, I knew very well and highly respected. I took their referral as gold, you know, like a stamp of yeah. approval without researching this guy on my own. I didn't trust my gut instincts. I felt something was off. It was too good to be true, right? Like what he was telling me in terms of returns I could get on the money and all that. If it was too good to be true, even though my dad taught me, if my dad always said, if it's too good to be true, run. I didn't follow it all because mm. of self-worth because I was like, well, this is someone, you know, this came from someone who I highly respected, who's also a doctor, you know, put him on a pedestal. 
And I was like, and, and he says he has a lot of his money with this guy and he's happy with it. So that should be good enough for me. And then when I got a weird gut feeling, it was like, oh, Tiffany, you don't know what you don't know what you're talking about. You've never had this kind of money before. So you're just probably nervous, you know, because mm, wow. you don't know what to do with this money. Because, you know, when you have money like that, you know, you want to make more of it. Now you've got to like play with the big boys, so to speak, and know how to mm -hmm. invest it. Right. So I, I had never done that before. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. So instead of doing my own due diligence or even asking maybe a, a trusted friend or something like, you know, kind of t sharing it with someone else, I didn't feel I could even share it with anyone else because I was like, someone's going to roll their, the people in my life are going to roll their eyes at me. If I'm like, bringing saying them oh i'm thinking of investing my million dollars with somebody i mm. felt even ashamed to do that because it's like god tiffany you're bragging like i'm over here wow. you know living you know paycheck to paycheck and you're calling me to do a gut check on investing a million dollars so i didn't i didn't go to anybody wow. and he invested almost all that money into um gold mines and that's when i can't remember how many years back but that's i mean gold is still high right now like actual gold you guys like yeah it's still really high like if you have extra gold in your house right now and it's real gold you can collect all the stuff you don't want and you can bring it somewhere and have them melt it down and get and get a lot of money for it you can do it with silver mm -hmm. too so at that time gold was at an all-time high it was a hot hot topic this is what a lot of scam artists do anyway you know they piggyback yeah. off of a hot topic, right? Like tech stocks or electric vehicles or whatever it is. So everything sounded good because all the gold stuff was in the, you know, in the news. So it was like, uh, so he invested me in basically defunct gold mines. And within three months, I lost all that money, yet he got a big commission, wow. right, for investing it. And guess what? People are like, oh, you should have, you know, I share this on podcasts. They're like, oh, you should have sued him. No. Because guess what? I have to own my part. I signed all the paperwork, guys. All that mm -hmm. fine print when you work with, you know, a financial institution, a financial advisor, you know, there's a stack of paperwork you sign. And I didn't read one damn word of it. And I was embarrassed mm -hmm. to share that until a couple of years ago. But mm -hmm. I, I feel I need to share that so that none of you guys make that mistake, whatever it is, whatever mm -hmm. it is you're investing in hiring someone, whatever, whatever you're doing. I know it's tedious to read a bunch of fine print, especially in things like with insurance or finance. It's very boring. You either need to pay a lawyer or pay someone to, who knows what they're doing to read it for you, or you need to really sit and read it yourself. I didn't read it. I just signed it. And I lost, wow. and that's self-worth, right? Someone with high self-worth, which I have today, I would honor myself and the money I've earned, right, and value myself, and I would, which I have a team in place now, but I would have two people review something like that when you have that much money at stake, and I would review it myself and create notes with questions and take that time, right? Mm. So that's how I lost it all, and I pretty much had to, I, I pretty much had to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. And I, but before I even started to rebuild, I knew it was so shocking. I knew that something was off in me for this to happen. I mean, that's freaking crazy. 
And I'm remember, I'm a like, you know, I, I may have shared, you know, I'm more of a conservative person. I'm not the girl who's like, oh, I've got all this cash. I'm going to fill my closet with Louboutins and bags and a Ferrari. I'm not that person. I was raised in the Midwest. I'm, I'm someone, I have, I have a lot of nice shit. Don't get me wrong. But I'm someone who is very, very strategic and conservative when it comes to spending. Mm-hmm. So I, that was all lost in that way. And I had to figure out what happened because this is an, it was like an outer body experience. Like <laughs> this was so not like me that yeah. it forced me to really dig deep to see how in the hell this happened. Wow. And that's where you found out it was all about self-worth. Yeah. I mean, it's not like all of a sudden just, it just hit me. Right. But I did work. I'm very big into the law of attraction, manifestation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I already had been working on, which is kind of ironic, right? I'd already been a practicer, a, a student of manifestation, law of attraction, abundance thinking prior mm-hmm. five years prior to this happening, right? So you can wow. imagine I was like, this law of attraction thing doesn't work, <laughs> right? I wanted yeah, to blame yeah, something yeah. outside myself, but I went to um, my teacher, my spiritual teacher, you could say coach, whatever, in this space, you know, in tears. The only person who knew I was so ashamed. Now I became ashamed about something else. I already felt guilty when I had the money. Now I felt guilty for losing it. Like that's just insanity, wow. Yeah. right? But if you listen and you even... um you know, Google people who won the lotto, you know, and lost it all, you'll hear interviews and they're, they felt uncomfortable and guilty having the money. And then they felt shameful and guilty losing (laughs) it. It's like, well, that's a setup for a disaster. Right. So I went to him to my, you know, my spiritual coach, my manifestation coach. And I was like, you're the only person who knows who's, who knows this. I, I, this manifestation thing, I know it works because I see it work for you. I see it work for other people. I I must be broken. Something in me is off. I can't even believe this happened. And then he very quickly identified it. Mm-hmm. And we started peeling back the layers, taking me through things I've heard in childhood. Mm-hmm. What was the energy around money? Um, and we just started peeling back these layers all around a money mindset. And you guys, here's the crazy part. I was raised wealthy. We're like the second wealthiest family in North Shore, Chicago. So in like second wealthiest family, not in like the ghetto, but like in an Mm -hmm. already wealthy area. Mm -hmm. So I was raised wealthy in in the sense of on the outside, right? Yeah. The nice house, the nice cars, the, the, you know, the big pool and all that. But it was still a poverty mindset household. So a lot of people think, well, I was raised poor, so I'm destined to be poor. No. And then they'll also say, well, you're raised with rich, the rich get richer. So you're raised rich and you had, you had a rich mom. So no wonder why you're rich. It's like, oh no, it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. You can have, you can, you can be in a household that's where it's a high income household, but it's a poverty mm -hmm. mindset. Yeah. And I have a question on that because I actually ran into a guy the other day. I'm out here in Santa Monica and he was saying just how much like he loved living in this amazing neighborhood. I was taking a walk with a friend, just kind of looking at houses and stuff. And these are mansions, right? And he was, he, we ran into this guy, started a conversation and he was just like, yeah, man, it's, but you know, it's so expensive to live here. And she just kept on going. And I was like, this guy's 
in scarcity mindset, but he lives like an abundant life. Why does that happen? You know, that's a great question. I, I coach, I coached a couple people who were like that. One of them's actually quite, you know, quite well known, so to speak, in the online entrepreneur space. Um, at least he became aware of it, you know, mm -hmm. which, which is a lot, you know, when you become, usually you become aware of it because you keep losing money, right? Mm. Just because someone is making, let's say 500,000 a year, a million a year. So, so what? They could be spending a million a year. And yeah. a lot of these people do, you know, I live in LA too. So that's, I mean, you see that a lot. There's, there's a lot of this, especially in LA. Mm -hmm. where right. they might be making a lot, but they're spending a lot, if not more, you know, like look at all the yeah. celebrities that file bankruptcy. Like how is Denzel Washington in bankruptcy? <laughs> like, how is this possible? Right. Mm -hmm. You see this from different rappers. It's because there's a poverty set point. So somewhere inside there's this, there's this comfort set point of, okay, I'm making enough where I feel okay. Or I'm making this amount and I'm so used to being uncomfortable about money, I'm going to stay here. It's, it goes back to what I said. It's like feeling guilty for having it. Mm -hmm. um, because what happens is when you end up with having a lot of money, you know, like you live in a house like I live in now, right, in Calabasas, which is a very you know, fancy mm -hmm. suburb, of, suburb of L.A. Or you live like this guy in Santa Monica. You have that kind of money, you end up having fewer friends who have that kind of wealth, right? Just yeah. because there are fewer people who are at that income bracket. So yeah. what I've noticed happens is there's there's a weird uncomfortable factor and a guilt factor where you almost have to play down your wealth. Um, you hmm. almost have to kind of go, oh my God, you should see the taxes I pay. You'll hear that a lot from people who have money. They talk a lot about taxes. Yeah. Right. And it's like, well, calm the fuck down. You have a lot of you pay a lot of taxes because you make a lot of money. But mm -hmm. they'll say things like that in order to better thinking they're better relating to the common person because the common oh, person yeah. doesn't make this right. Mm -hmm. Also, wealthy people will do really weird shit, too. And I, I have some of these behaviors myself. I'm just really aware of them. They'll mm -hmm. like take all the shampoos from the hotel rooms. <laughs> They'll do weird stuff, even though like they never have, they can like buy shampoo yeah. for lifetimes and be fine. Oh, it, wow. it comes down to this self-worth and also like feeling almost a sense of wealth isolation, as I call it, uh -huh. because it, it is awkward. You know, like usually when someone's wealthy, you're the, probably the only wealthy person in your family or in your circle. You know, uh -huh. you're the well, and everyone knows you're the one that has the cash. Yeah. It's a, it's a little uncomfortable. And if you're not careful, you can do what I did, right? And I felt obligated, which I'm loving that you pointed that out. <laughs> I felt obligated to pay for everyone all the time. If someone had a business idea and came to me for startup money, even if I thought mm -hmm. it was a shit idea, I felt wow. I had to give it to them. So, so. <clears throat> how did you start to build up your self-worth then? Like, how does somebody go... Maybe they, they didn't, haven't had that experience, but maybe they're at that point. They have the awareness on what's going on. Okay, like my net worth is equal to my self-worth. So how do I build my self-worth to have more net worth? The first thing is becoming aware of these subconscious beliefs that you just organically adopted because they were said or felt 
in childhood, or it could be from a marriage or a long-term mm -hmm. relationship, or even like a close friend. Some, anyone you, you were around a lot doesn't always mm -hmm. have to be childhood. Um, so you first need to go back and ask yourself questions like, what were common things that were said around money? What was the general mood in the house around bill paying time and tax paying time? Mm -hmm. What did my parents say? Or, you know, whoever your, you know, close family members were, your uncle, whatever. Mm -hmm. What did my parents say about the rich people in the town? What did my parents say about, you know, the person who had, you know, the nicest car in the school pickup line or drove, you know, a Porsche or something like that? What did they say about that? Right. Um, you'll start getting clues and seeing patterns when you ask yourself these questions. I take people yeah. through these questions, um, both in my Project Me Passive Income Posse and in private coaching. But I wanted to give you guys some questions to like start out asking. Mm -hmm. You're you're basically digging through your subconscious like, oh, my God, like what happened when you asked for stuff when you were a kid or a teenager? What, mm -hmm. there, was there something commonly said? Or did you have to do a shit ton of chores to even get $5? It's not always what was said. Sometimes it was what was required, right? Wow. Like for me, I if I wanted something, I had to do like some insane amount of work to get a very little reward. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, oh, clean your room and sweep the garage, you know, and maybe wash a car, okay? To, you know, to get 20 bucks. And that still kind of is a lot, but mm -hmm. that would have been even okay. I had to do extreme chores. I'm talking a full day wow. in order to get like 20 bucks. So what, is, what do you think that taught me? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to damn hard. near kill myself to get mm -hmm. rich. Wow. And I just so, noticed something in myself. That was, that, that was exactly it with me. Yeah, so parents like, mean well, like, I think, but they can go, yeah, no, totally. you know, yeah. they can go, they can go too far with it. So because yeah. I was taught that, what do you think happened? I truly damn near killed myself. I'm not even exaggerating with my first company that I still have. I damn near killed myself trying to build that thing in order to get rich. And that was almost like a mentality of it has to be hard. It has to be hard. It has to be hard because it was hard for them. They made it seem hard. My mm -hmm. mom was an entrepreneur and so was my dad, which made it almost worse, right? Because mm -hmm. my dad, I wasn't around as much. Um, my dad didn't talk much. So I didn't get too much of his stuff didn't rub off on me. But my mom, my primary parent that I live with, my mom worked 12 to 14 hours a day, seven days a week. So she lived wow. it on top of it. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, yeah. And my mom would say things like, you know, you have to give an arm and a leg to get ahead in this world. You wow. know, it's like, so <laughs> in, in my subconscious, I picked uh. all that up and I thought, well, yeah, my mom, we were wealthy and my mom worked her ass to the bone yeah. in order to have it. So that's what you have to do if you want wealth. Like that's, that's just part of the game. You got to do the grind and it mm -hmm. is a lie. Yeah, it is. I've lived that myself too and going through the grind and grinding, which I think is, it's, it's a shiny object right now in the world. Like people are like, Oh, you got to grind. You got to go hard. You know? And it's so it doesn't have to necessarily be that way for me. Like you said, the law of attraction and manifestation like that even has been more powerful to me than like some crazy amount of 
grinding where you're really beating yourself up. Doing the money mindset work, which is all part of, right, abundance mindset, law of attraction, manifestation. If you don't do that deep money mindset work, you're going to block your manifesting all day long. Look, I've been practicing mm. all of that with a well-known uh, spiritual coach. And five years into it, I lost almost everything. <laughs> so you can't <laughs> yeah. like, you can't outsmart your subconscious. You can't out learn your up subconscious. You can't go to 85 Tony Robbins events mm -hmm. and outsmart that subconscious. You have to go back and look at that and then ask yourself, is this true for a hundred percent certainty on each thing that comes up? Like, Money doesn't grow on trees. Money doesn't come in easily. Ask now, ask that question. Is that true with 100% certainty? Like, do I know for a fact that money, money, money can't come easily? No, you don't know that. Mm -hmm. You might not have evidence yet in your life of it for yourself, but I know you've seen it happen for other people, right? Or right. you have to kill yourself and hustle in order to be successful. Is that true with 100% certainty for a fact? Um, no. That that's what you have to do. That's the only way. No. No. And that's where it kind of like jars your subconscious going, whoa, wait a second. This might not be a, this might not be a belief. You have to like do a program interrupt. Mm -hmm. And it's like, whoa, this might not be true. And then I have people Making a point, I'll say, okay, on Tuesdays, I want you all day to look for evidence of how money can come easily. That's what you're wow. going to do all day long when you go about your day, whatever it is you do. And it's amazing what happens. People end up, you know, you end up seeing, you see what you believe, right? So people yeah. end up finding $10 on the ground. <laughs> they end up getting a tax refund check that was larger than they thought. Because you're now not blocking that flow. I mean, it, it, people don't want to believe a lot of this money mindset stuff because it sounds simple. It can't oh. be that simple. <laughs> Which is it actually, it actually is that simple. That doesn't mean it's easy work. It can be mm -hmm. painful work when you go back and revisit, you know, childhood and the stuff around money. And, you know, I mean, when I work with people, there's people who their dad drank, like, drank a ton, you know, mm. and did a lot of bad shit all around, you know, bill paying time, right? Mm. There's a lot of stuff that can come up that's tied, that ends up being tied to money. Sometimes it's the reverse. Some people are raised with wealth, like a wealthy family like mine, right? I was raised in wealth, but we were spiritually bankrupt. So then what do you think that made me do? Well, I really don't, I'm not going to be comfortable with wealth. Because mm -hmm. wealth equals abuse, you know, for you guys who don't know, if you follow me on Instagram at Project Me with Tiffany, I'm very open about my story of being sexually abused from age 11 to 21. So my household was not safe, but I grew up very wealthy. We were known for being wealthy. So I equated wealth with not being safe. Wow. So that's why I was so uncomfortable having all that money. Mm -hmm. Do you guys, do you see how, like, how intertwined that gets? A hundred percent. Yeah, it's the messaging. And like you said, this is a belief of it all, which is phenomenal. That, thank you so much for sharing all of this stuff. I've learned a lot, and I know the people listening have learned a lot as well.
And I know you mentioned it before, but I do want you to plug one more time. Where can people find out more about you and just kind of dive deeper into this work? So the best place to reach me is Instagram at Project Me with Tiffany. DM me. I always tell people like, DM me when you hear this episode and see what happens. Like, you'll be surprised. People are always like, oh, my God, I didn't think you'd write me back. So <laughs> DM me at Project Me with Tiffany. I'm also on Facebook at Project Me with Tiffany. Um, and then you can always, of course, listen to my popular podcast, Project Me with Tiffany Carter. It's on all the things, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, mm -hmm. all of that. But yeah, you guys take a screenshot of this episode and um, tag both of us to let us know, like, if this was kind of like eye opening for you. If you're like, holy shit, I never thought about that. Like, take a screenshot and share it on social and, and like get other people thinking, too, you know, like pay it forward. and. Mm -hmm. That that really you're doing such a service for yourself and other people, even just becoming aware of this right. stuff will start changing and shifting your financial life without a doubt. A hundred percent. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing today. And I was it was amazing. Have you on the show? Thanks for having me. Of course, for everybody listening, go check out her stuff. Dive deep into it. Let us know what you thought about this episode. And as always, go out there, put some heart into everything that you do today.